This is a sermon given at St. David's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. Visit our website at stdave.org. At clergy conference recently, we were able to hear a presentation from the futurist Amy Zalman. And it was a fascinating hour of listening to her talk about what lie ahead a little bit. What is the world going to look like 20 to 50 years from now? She's a scientist, a secularist. She's a a sociologist. She's just kind of talking about the landscape. She talked about the earth itself and how that's going to play out. She talked about the impact of technology. She talked about the migration of human beings from around the world to different places and even the migration in our own country as people strive to find places where they feel safe and where they belong. And it was fascinating to listen And the clergy were, of course, paying close attention to this long presentation, detailed presentation, about what we're looking at in the future, about the horizontal world that we live in. When I say horizontal, I mean the world that we live in on our day-to-day basis and the world that we have created and then the fiddler that gets to be paid because of what we created. It was fascinating. Clergy were very intent. We're highly invested in what's going to happen in the next 20 to 50 years and its impact not only on the world, but on the life of the church. And what is that going to look like? And of course, then towards the end, there were time for people to ask questions and several people asked questions. Along that time, I had a question that was forming in my own mind. I was about to get up and go to the microphone, but then I realized that my question was not really a question. It was really just a statement. It was something that I felt needed to be injected into this conversation. I didn't expect her to do it. That's not her job. But I expected somebody to inject the statement, but nobody wants to hear somebody get up and make a statement that's supposed to be a question, right? So, matter of fact, it was on the bingo card. The, the, the bishop had a bingo card of things when you see at clergy conference, you get it. One of them was a statement in the form of a question. That was one. So I, we had been very discouraged to do that, right? So I didn't say it. I want you to be proud of me. I did not say something out loud. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> but it stayed in my head and it stayed in my head in the food line for lunch. And then I finally brought it up around the table. And my friends weren't nearly as impressed with my statement as I was. Right? <laughs> but it was this. It was, it was all this conversation about the horizontal world. Real, absolutely concrete, detailed invitation for us to know what the world is going to be like. And towards the end of that, I wanted somebody to say And then God. Just that. I wanted somebody to say, this is not all there is. This is real. It is 100% real and it's very true. But then God. I mean, we believe this weird thing. That somehow in the midst of all the crazy chaos of the world that we live in, then God. I mean, weirdly, it's what got you out of bed on the first really cold morning of the year and made you drive downtown and to come sit here together. Well, that and you love Father Bob. Those two things, right? (laughs) Then God. So the text today help us with this a little bit. So maybe we can look at those. As you know, we're we're closing in on the end of the, the liturgical season of ordinary time. That's a funny sense to say. We're closing in on the end of ordinary time. <laughs> but we're about to move into the season of Advent. It's just two weeks away, by the way. 
Two weeks away, we're in Advent. So the lessons are all getting quite apocalyptic, right? They're, they're leading us to consider why the incarnation is necessary. The incarnation is God saying, then God, you know, stepping into all of this chaos in the world and saying, then God. So all the text today kind of rant and push us into this apocalyptic way of thinking. Malachi is such a good one. It is just, they're going to burn you to the ground. You, you, you got yours coming. You may have wanted to say that out loud on Tuesday night. I don't know. You know, <laughs> could have been. But the others have a little more nuance to them. So let's take them in sequence in sort of chronological order and see what we can learn. First is Jesus in the gospel according to Luke. This is Luke's little apocalypse. Mark has one. Matthew has one. John, well, the whole thing's apocalyptic. So that's a totally different, totally different story. But in each one of those synoptic gospels, there's a chapter or part of a chapter that points to this ominous, dark season that is coming. So to realize why Jesus might have needed to say this is remembering the context. The Hebrew people, the nation of Israel, is under the thumb of the Roman Empire. So they are oppressed people along with a very other small vassal states that are trying to live their lives and be faithful, but they're under the thumb of this oppressing power. So it's ripe for messiahs and it's ripe for apocalyptic talk. And so it's in there, Jesus getting ready to go to Jerusalem. He's kind of articulating why that's going to be necessary. Why he's going to have to go. And he tells this story. He says, beware, but don't be afraid. Beware of all these terrible things that are happening, but don't be afraid when you hear about wars and rumors of wars, because, oh, by the way, it's going to get worse. That's what he says. <laughs> you think it's bad now, it's going to get worse. Does that feel familiar to you? Does anybody kind of feel like the harder we work and the harder we pedal and the harder we pedal and paddle, it just feels like the boat continues to sink? I mean, some to that. And Jesus says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Matter of fact, it's going to get worse. They're going to arrest you. They're going to drag you before courts and they're going to, and it might be your mom or your dad or your brother that turn you in. And some of you will be put to death, but not a hair on your head will be harmed. That's a very interesting definition of not a hair on your head being harmed. I might be put to death, but not a hair on my head will be harmed. What is that? Why is that? Because then God, but then God, God is in this. God is in this. And I think Jesus was telling his disciples and I think telling all of us throughout the rest of history, because since that time, it's all been true. Everything he said in sequence and over and over. All of these chaotic, crazy things that feel like they're taking over our lives and our world. He says, don't be afraid. It's going to happen. But then God. Then God. Keep doing the thing because God is in this. And so he takes this obsession with the horizontal world that they were absolutely and justifiably terrified about and injects, but then God. God is in this. He, in, he injects it in a way that takes us vertical, takes us to, oh, yes, there is more going on here than I've seen. And so it's an invitation for us to start looking for the then God. In the world, all the places where God is at work, and we see it in the gentleness and the kindness and the forgiveness and the grace and the love and the inclusion and the welcome, all these unexpected things in the middle of all that chaos. We go, oh, there, there, there it is, there it is, there it is. Then God, 
Now, let's jump over to the Thessalonians. Second, the second Thessalonians. Apparently, the, you got to remember this one thing about Paul, always in his writing, is that Paul clearly and 100% believed that Jesus was going to come back in the next 36 hours. He really thought, really did believe that Jesus was, it was an imminent return right now. And it permeates all of his writing. There's a sense of urgency in his writing that we've got to get the word out. We've got to tell more people, stop doing all the silly stuff. Stop fussing. Stop doing this. Get to work. Do this thing. Because it's time. So apparently the Thess- some of the Thessalonians took him quite literally and believed that Jesus is going to return in the next 36 hours. And so it doesn't say this in the text, but the way it sounds is it sounds like a handful of them had gotten their white robes and are sitting on the side of the hill waiting on the rapture. You know, they're just going to wait. Because it's all vertical, right? Paul's convinced them that Jesus is coming down any minute, so they're going to sit and wait and wait. Meanwhile, other people are having to carry the load. Now, I'm not, this is not talking about people who can't work. This is people talking about people who have decided to give up on the horizontal. And now they're just waiting on the vertical. To quote my old grandma, she said, so focused on heaven, they're no earthly use. <laughs> They were no earthly use because they're waiting on this. And Paul wants to shake them out of their vertical obsession and say, there is work to be done. Other people are carrying the load here. It is time, if you are able, it is time for you to pick up your end of this thing and help carry it. And if you're not willing to, he kind of mother goosed them, right? He said, if you're not willing to help cook dinner, maybe you should skip dinner. It's very concrete. There is work to be done here. Things to do that matter. So come down out of this and get in this. And so we have this intersection. We have this intersection of the horizontal, a clear-eyed look at what the world is really like through no rose-colored glasses and then injecting then God. God is here nonetheless. And also an invitation out of this vertical obsession and see the world around us. See the need in the world around us. See the pain in the world around us. And bring the then God into the work and do the things that look like the kingdom of God. Help. Carry the load. All the tenets of the baptismal covenant that we obsess on all the time. This is what it looks like to carry the load. We just had a great gathering in there. We thank Bob, but it's also the end gathering. Right? It's Harvest Sunday. We're metaphorically bringing the bounty of our fruit and we're asking everybody, everybody, in whatever way that you can and whatever you're able to do is to pick up your end of the thing. Pick up your end of the work that we're doing here. Help us with this. Get involved. Participate. Your time and yes, your treasure. A few minutes, we're very bluntly going to ask you to bring your gift up here. Put it in this plate to say, I'm in. I will pick up my end of this. So then God, and now you and me in the world, trying to make the world look like the kingdom of God a little bit. So this beautiful intersection, when the world wears you out and you're exhausted and you're terrified and you think the whole thing's going to hell in a handbasket, then God. God is here. God is always here. 
So we take a deep breath and we start looking for signs of the presence of the Lord. And when you finally just say, you know, I've had enough of all this. I'm just going to give it all up. I'm going to white robe it and sit on the side of the hill and wait for God to take care of it. Then we get this whisper in our ear. Then God, there are things to be done. Get up. Get up. We got work to do. We need to make this world look like what we're expecting. Help make this world look like the kingdom that we're praying for. That's then God. Then God. Then God. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You can find more lectures and sermons on iTunes by searching for St. David's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas, or visit our website at stdave.org and click on the podcast button.